Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's guest is a YouTuber by the name of Patrick CC. If you like my marketing videos and stuff where I talk about the business side of music, then I think you will really like what he does. It's kind of, I don't know, similar sort of stuff to what I talk about, but focusing more on like rap and hyper pop and, you know, that kind of bedroom producer kind of community. You may know him for his videos like the Curious Case of series where he looks like Corpse and Mario Judah and these other kind of like internet phenomena kind of artists and stuff, but just a really sharp, uh, thoughtful guy who I think does a better job of presenting music business kind of content than almost anybody else out there. So really excited to get a chance to sit down and talk with him about how he built his channel, what he's learned along the way. Like, I think he also talks about, uh, I guess I'll say leadership and building a team in a way that I don't often hear YouTubers talk about super cool and why he moved from New Jersey to Oklahoma City of all places. So if you have any interest in the business side of music or if you've ever wanted to be a full-time creator, this one is for you, super good conversation. Before we get into it, I wanted to mention a few th- ways that you can support the channel if you are so inclined. Number one, share it on social media. That does a lot to help us out. Number two, you can buy some merch. I've got a cool new Deathcore inspired shirt, some coffee mugs, all kinds of other cool stuff. Or number three, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to all of those things in the show notes. But first, before we get into that, let's do a little bit of Q&A. From Sci-Fi AJ, any advice for single dudes? Ideas about how to meet potential partners, places, or apps that might be found? Things you would encourage them to have together or figure out before dating, etc. Well, this advice would be for anybody, men, women, non-binary, whatever. I think the rules are the same. The answer is to be the person who would attract the person that you want to be with. So I think rather than looking for that person who like checks off all the requirements that you have in your head, I think this is the way a lot of men think about it. I don't know if women do, but rather than do that, be the person, like think about who you want to be with and then think think to yourself, who would that person want to be with and be that person? In other words, like, I don't know, I'll use a rock of love example. You know, you get the sense on that show that Brett would sort of pick the girls on that show who were actually the more stable kind of, you know, I'll use the word normal, like less edgy girls on that show, because I think in his heart, that's kind of 
what he wants. He wants somebody who is that stable, traditional wife kind of type. But the reason why that never worked out is because he is not the person that someone like that would want to be with. He lives on a on the road in a bus. He hooks up with groupies all the time. He's always partying. Like, why would somebody who has a stable life want to be with someone who has an unstable life? So that would be my advice. And then if you are that person, there's no like formula, I don't think. I, I think if you are just that person, you will naturally find the person who you are a match with. And if you consistently find yourself matching with, and I don't mean like on Tinder or whatever, I mean like if you are out about out and about in life and you find that the people who are attracted to you are not the kind of people that you want to be with, well, you should change something about yourself. And uh, so that means, you know, for example, you know, years ago uh, when I was single and I wanted to be with somebody stable, at that time I was still partying a lot and hanging out at bars and stuff like that. And, you know, I was really upset that I was always meeting these people who were like unstable and partied all the time. And then I was like, well, of course, because look at your life. What are you doing? Like how, if, if you're living like a party animal, then you're going to meet girls who are party animals. It's pretty simple. So, uh, you know, that is my advice. Be the person who your ideal partner would want to be with. And with that out of the way, let's get into this awesome episode. Patrick, welcome to the podcast. What's going on? Appreciate you making time for this. Of course, of course. Drinking water. Water's your thing. It is. It is my thing. I had a friend who actually was a pro athlete who said, I don't drink water. Water's for athletes. That man is crazy. He <laughs> <laughs> was a little crazy. He was a pro MMA fighter. You got to have a little bit of a screw loose, I think. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, so what's uh, what's been keeping you busy the past couple weeks? Mostly just working on these like marketing campaign type videos that are promoting my album. That's honestly been like the whole focus for March. I guess a couple of a couple of maybe future projects, maybe some merch I'm thinking about, but the majority of my time is spent like these marketing campaign videos. Well, I think those are so smart because it's like you are kind of, you know, double dipping in that you are promoting your, you know, you're doing the work of promoting your album and then you're also making content that seems to be doing pretty well around it. So I think that's super smart. And all those, you know, hundreds of thousands of views you're getting on the videos about marketing the album are actually marketing the album. So it's like some 4D chess you got going on there. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty meta, but it's like, that was the whole, that was the whole point of them. And I think people are aware of it, but it, it doesn't really matter because no, if you're actually bringing value, then well, shit, who cares? Yeah. I, I thought your uh, TikTok one you did recently was uh, super interesting because you know, you get into the actual details of the concept behind the ads, how you actually reach out to these people, how you picked all of them. Like you, you thought through all those details in a way that I think uh, I really haven't seen anybody else do. You know, they just say, oh, just reach out to some TikTokers. All right. Well, who and why and what do you tell them and how do you know if it's successful and what happens if they don't do what they say they're going to do or what happens if they half ass it? Like all those little things that like are details, but the details are the difference between you know, success and failure. So I, I think you did an amazing job on that. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. And like, I like how, you know, I could still make a video, even if it is a failure, because like most of the time, I mean, they are, I don't want to say I, I, failure is an extreme word, but most of the time, like, you know, they, a lot of marketing is kind of like you could do really good stuff, but at the end of the day, like it is kind of a gamble, like it just might not work. So it's, Yep. It's, it's exciting to me and it's uh, relieving that I could still make an entertaining video over something that's kind of a failure, you know? So 
I was unsure of how they would perform like in the very beginning when I was trying them. And then they turn out to be some of my most successful and popular videos. So I guess it's bringing a lot of value to actual artists, but also people that are just like, man, I like Patrick and I like music. So I guess we're just going to watch him try to market a song today. <laughs> well, I have a lot more questions about the album and all that stuff that I want to ask you, but let's talk YouTube first. So you've been doing YouTube full time for what, like two years ish now? Technically at like 600 subscribers, I somehow convinced my dad to let me do it full time. I like quit the job that I was working at. I just graduated college. And then I was like, <laughs> in hindsight, I was crazy, but like, Hey, it worked. But I had like, I, or I was just approaching a thousand subscribers and I like sat my dad down and I was like, you, know, you gotta let me like live here for free. Like, let me try this. I have money saved up. Like, let me just go all in for a few months and let's see what happens. So that would be like the beginning of 2019 or something. That was the end of 2018. Yeah. Beginning of 2019. Okay. So, uh, it was, yeah, it was right around Thanksgiving time and it was like, yeah, just six months later, not even, I was already making like enough money to support myself and to justify myself doing this. But yeah. So technically I've been doing YouTube full time since like six months after I started. Wow. Okay. Well, that's, that's cool. My wife is actually about to quit her job. She works for Amazon, makes a lot of money there, and she's about to quit her job at Amazon to do YouTube full-time. So uh, it's encouraging to hear. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I love to hear it. You got to take the risk Yeah. at some point. What about uh, how you thought YouTube was going to work as a job is different from how it has actually worked out now that you've been doing it for a while? So basically when I started doing like the live streams where I'm reacting to people's music and they're paying me, that was the, the way to fund the channel. Basically it's like, I'm doing these live streams and that's how I'm making enough money to be able to produce these videos and pay my bills and yada, yada, yada. And how much were you charging back then at the beginning for that? Um, I think I like started around $15. Okay. So you get a couple hundred bucks, just enough to kind of scrape together some rent money and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or I guess you don't have rent money because you're living with your parents, but <laughs> water money. Yeah, water money and, and student loans and all of that. I was making some money doing that. And then I guess like I never really knew how much AdSense would help or I guess be like a big impact for like the money side of it. But as my channel grows, it becomes like more money, you know, I'm making more money on AdSense. So that's cool. And now I'm just kind of starting to do a little bit more brand deals. So, you know, making money that way is, is very useful. And basically what I'm trying to do is just slowly get away from the streams being like the full reason why I'm able to fund the channel, but still. That's still a big revenue driver for you. Yeah. 100% for sure. Gotcha. Do you have a Patreon? I don't, I don't have a Patreon, okay. but that's also why. I haven't really done merch because I don't need necessarily the money. And a lot of people fund their YouTube channels from merch. If anybody's listening and they don't realize this, most YouTubers are not funding their, their channel with like the actual content. Like very few people are actually making enough money on the content. It's like, you got to make money elsewhere. So it's interesting you say that because I actually do make enough. I make the most money off of AdSense. Oh, damn. Lucky you. <laughs> yeah, it's it I I could I could live off of AdSense alone if I wanted to. Most YouTubers are not like that. So good for you, man. My my AdSense is very very up and down. Uh it's only become like pretty good recently, so I'm grateful for that, but I feel like there's like they graduate you into a tier of like 
people that make more money or something because i just like randomly like last year it like went up like 50 percent, and it's stayed there since then they definitely do graduate you and yeah at some point i started making like uh, a higher cpm uh like it went up and then it didn't go back down uh, obviously quarter four like everybody makes more money yeah. uh then because there's more people advertising but it it really just depends mostly on like your demographics so my YouTube audience is 95% males. And a lot of them are probably between the ages of, I would say like 14 to 20 something, which is like the least profitable advertising market. So like <laughs> broke little kids playing Fortnite and cracked copy of FL studio. Exactly. Yeah. That's like the, the market that not many brands are advertising towards. So if you have a higher female audience or like, if you have a high, like mom market audience that stuff is like crazy crazy fruitful but i don't think i'll be reaching the moms with my underground yeah. music content <laughs> mine is all 30 year old dudes so you know i got that market locked down yeah they well they got jobs and shit so they do yeah it's true <laughs> so it was uh the big breakthrough for you i didn't watch your channel back then but it, it seems like the dming 100 rappers asking for a feature was that like kind of the big breakthrough for you i saw if i put my curious case of patrick cc hat on looking at social blade i see you, you really like exploded in the middle of 2019 from that video yeah so that was like the viral moment i was I, I don't even know if you want to call me like an established creator before then but i had like a little following of people before that video which was july of 2019 i had about twenty five thousand subscribers and then when I made that video, which was yet yeah, mid July, by the end of August, I had a hundred thousand. So I went wow. from I gained like seven, I gained like eighty thousand subscribers in two months. God, that's crazy. I still haven't had growth like that since then. Yeah. Wow. What was going through your head when that happened? You know, a lot of people ask me that, but I just feel like I was just trying to I mean, it felt like I was going to be famous like overnight or something. I was like, oh, my God, by the end of the year, I'm going to have a million subscribers like it's never going to end like I'm I'm set. But I was really just trying to focus on getting like content out that was good enough to sort of carry that steam. And I think I did an OK job. But in hindsight, I wasn't really ready for it. And like not that I fumbled or whatever, like I did a good job. Here I am today still growing. But. Sure. No, I mean, you, you still, so for anybody listening, that was, you know, a year and a half ago or whatever, and you're at 400,000 now. So you grew by, you know, 300,000 subs in a year and a half. That's fucking really fast too. Yeah. Yeah. That's also really fast. But like when you tell people like in a month or two months, you, you know, three times your growth, it's, you know, then they're like, oh, it took you a year and a half to three X again or whatever. But it's just, uh, it was it was pretty hectic, but at the same time, I think I did a decent job, like just trying to be like, okay, just keep focusing on content. Like, don't like try to switch up and act different now. Yep. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of people kind of go wrong is they, uh, you know, don't have a plan for what happens if you do. I don't want to say luck, but you know, if you sort of have that unexpected home run. Yeah. When when the cat catches the mouse, what happens? Or they get some viral success off a video that doesn't represent what they actually want to do. Yeah, I'm grateful that the video that I did was very much aligning with my audience. The only problem is like I did part two 
very shortly after that's what continued the growth. Like I did the damning hunter rappers for the feature price. And then the second one, which came out about a month later was asking for their booking price. And then, you know, of course people are like, keep doing it, but like, you can't, right. Like you just can't because I think I'm fundamentally the reason why rappers managers do not have their emails on social media anymore. Like I was going to ask if you got some blowback for sharing all that stuff. Uh, a little bit. I think like <laughs> I'm lucky with rap because like a lot of rappers are like, yeah, I do charge 40,000 for a feature. You're going to pay it or not? Like, right. Uh, and they probably know. don't give a fuck what you think. And, no, you no. Know. I'm just a right. fucking That's suburban true. white kid in my dad's house. Like they're like, who gives a fuck with this kid <laughs> right. thinks, you know? And rightfully so, like literally who cares what I think? But, uh, it's just, I thought it was like, it was fun. It was harmless. You know, the, most of the people that were commenting were just, you know, did not really taking it seriously. I, I was aware of that when I was filming the video, I was like, okay, I don't want to be like, they don't deserve this. You know, I was just like, just, yeah. just have fun with it. It's like, it's cool. It's interesting. And I think that tone reflected in most people. And that's probably why they didn't get too mad at me. Right. Has that changed at all? Because I mean, as you get a higher profile, I'm sure that you now know a lot more people and stuff. Does that change how you talk about it at all? Talk about what specifically? Oh, well, so like for me, I know like every single person I talk about in a video, I either know them or someone in their on their team. Or if I don't, it's one, you know, step away and I know they're going to see it. And that definitely changes how I talk about things. It's not that I'm dishonest or anything like that. I just, I'll say whatever the fuck I want about DaBaby. Right. You know, because I know that he's not going to see it. And if he does, he doesn't give a shit who I am or whatever. Right. But if I'm talking about a, a band, I know that they're going to see it. And I know that they know who I am. Yeah. So I try to be a little bit more objective, actually. I used to be really, really harsh with opinions and stuff. And a lot of that was like the same mindset. Like, nobody's going to see this. So like fucking... I'm just going to say whatever I want. And yeah, I think as you get a little bit bigger, you just start to think like, okay, that maybe was a little too harsh or I shouldn't have said it like that. And I, I'm constantly looking back on stuff and being like, yeah, I definitely didn't say that the right way. Or like, I don't feel the same anymore, but it's like, if somebody stumbles on a video, that's a year and a half old, they're going to judge it for what it is in that moment. Not hopefully, hopefully. I mean, most people don't, really think like oh this was a year and a half ago he probably thinks differently they're probably like i'm just going to comment on this video because this is what he thinks it's what i thought in that moment and i've changed my opinions over the years so i think like the short answer to that is yeah i mean i do try to be a little bit more conscious of like what i'm saying or if i'm reviewing something just trying to be a little bit more objective and not so strong-minded with my opinions because ultimately like i want to be more of like an entertainer than like a critic yeah yeah i think the nobody likes critics <laughs> yeah yeah i mean some people look at me as a critic some people look at me as an entertainer i think most people look at me as entertainment but like to me what you're really good at is just explaining things and it's not i mean of course you have opinions like anybody else but it's not really about your opinion it's about like well here's what happened with mario judah and you can think what you want to think about it, but here's what happened. Yeah. So specifically, mostly what you're referring to is the Curious Case videos. So because the other ones, you don't really have opinions that much. I mean, you, you know, it's not really about your opinions when you're doing like your marketing videos or anything like that. Yeah. So I have like a second channel where I'll do more like opinion based stuff. But yeah, basically, I had a real conversation with my employees, my friends, you know, we sat there when we were coming up with the curious case thing and it was like nobody gives a shit about my opinion so 
when you're on YouTube and you're not established and a lot of you might be thinking 400 K is established, but I still think I'm like growing and nobody knows me. So, you know, I try to leave my opinion out of it. And that was the curious case idea. It was like, let me just talk, document this, like talk about what happened and literally ignore my opinion. And actually I filmed it like in the dark room, trying to take my face out of it as much as possible to really like take myself sort of out of this and, and just see what happens. And it gets more views and that kind of hurts the ego a little bit, you know, because you, you realize like people don't care as much about Patrick CC as they do the thing that I'm talking about. So like, yeah, I mean, it, it, it hurts a little bit because you're like, damn, man, if I just took my face out of this, I'd probably get more <laughs> views. But like at the same time. But you can't do that because you are here to build Patrick CC. Exactly. You know, you could just do a slideshow of like, you know, top 10 or top 50 hottest Instagram thoughts and get a million views on it. But what good would that do for you at the end of the day? It's tough to find the boundary, but I think I like slowly find it out. And it's not like I'm, I have this like crazy ego where I'm like, no, people need to focus on me. But it's important to me to brand myself, my face, shit like that. Yeah, you have to or else you just become like the guy I think of as the ultimate example of this is uh, Evan Carmichael. You've seen some of his recommended videos, I'm sure, like Jeff Bezos's top 10 rules for success or Masterpiece top 10 rules for success. Right. And those get millions of views. But he doesn't talk in the videos. He doesn't like they're just basically compilations. Mm -hmm. And then when he does a video with his own thoughts on something, those will get millions of views. And then when he does his own opinion piece, it gets like 20,000. Yeah. And that's that's a problem for him. That's a missed opportunity for him. Clearly, he hasn't built a brand for himself. And I'm not, you know, I'm not talking shit, but I, I can tell he called the channel Evan Carmichael. But if there's no Evan Carmichael on the channel, then that's a miss to me. Yeah, it could be it could be anyone now just putting right. their thoughts on that page. Yeah, for sure. And I think that the the interesting thing is that kind of by presenting your opinions in that kind of very objective way, I feel like it creates demand for your opinions because I'm sure a lot of people are like, "Well, tell us what you think." Yeah, it will on like the second channel or whatever. There there definitely is demand. I think it'll get higher as like uh as time goes on, you know, like get more subscribers. Eventually, you'll have a, a market of a smaller percentage, five, ten percent of your audience where they're like, yeah, like, what what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to that day because it'll be a lot easier <laughs> to make content. <laughs> I'm just like, this is what I think of it. <laughs> you still live in Oklahoma? Yeah. We got to start doing truck rant videos. Yeah. Just talk about the, the oil industry. <laughs> no, like, let me tell you how Barack Obama's ruining this country. <laughs> well, Oklahoma City is is a pretty... Uh, is a pretty liberal city. I mean, all cities for the most part. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Oklahoma's a red state. Still Oklahoma. You got to you got to do the truck rants. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is the future. Yeah. So I, I wanted to ask about that. I, I watched your video about the move and everything. And I'm a big fan of creating a life where your overhead is low because it allows you to take chances and stuff. And what part of New Jersey are you from? Southern New Jersey. It's called Tom's River. It's right by oh, okay. uh, yeah. Seaside Heights where they filmed. Home Jersey of Frankie Shore. Edgar. Yeah. New Jersey is a very expensive state for anybody who doesn't know. Yeah. Even like out in the burbs like that, it's still expensive as shit. And, you know, you get paid the, the same AdSense whether you live in New Jersey or Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really smart, you know, that people like you are willing to live somewhere, quote unquote, uncool because it actually enables you to take a lot more risks. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the real the main reason why I moved out here was because I met a girl. But yeah, I mean, obviously it made a lot more sense with my line of work because it's like 
costs half as much to live here. And yeah, I was, I'm able to totally live like a solid life with the money that I'm making out here. And yeah, it is, it is somewhat uncool. I mean, Oklahoma city's on the rise. Like the city itself is cool. It's uncool for music right now, but for like living, I mean, it's, it's nice. It's pretty quiet. It's clean. I I say that in quotes, you know, because meaning in the eyes of the people who care about stuff like that. Oh yeah. Everybody from New Jersey is like Oklahoma. Why, what the hell are you doing out there? And I'm just like, I mean, people live here, you know, there's like a million, (laughs) yeah, yeah, there's millions of people here and they all live normal lives. It's not like, it's not like really the the middle of the desert or anything, but it's like, if you go out to brunch, it's going to be the same place in Oklahoma or New Jersey. Yeah. I agree with you. I was able to take more risk. I was able to hire my two best friends to work for me and and still, you know, not be drowning in bills or anything. It's great. I saw your your room, you know, and I was telling my wife, I was like, how the fuck does this guy have such a nice pla-? like I know how big his channel is. Like he's not making enough to, you know, pay for that because we live in Seattle, which I would say is probably roughly about the same as New Jersey. Yeah. And then I found out you lived in Oklahoma. I was like, oh, that's how. Yeah. Rent is so cheap here so cheap it'll you'll be right in the middle of what's happening too so it's great yeah it's it's smart i like the idea of kind of think of it as like geographic arbitrage and so you mentioned you have now two full-time employees that's pretty cool yeah one of my like dreams honestly has been like putting my friends on and and trying to build a life for them that they actually love i mean that's the entrepreneurial side of me you know i YouTube is obviously a creative outlet, but it was also like, you know, I want to be in control of my life and my work. And, you know, I was working a bunch of different jobs throughout my young adult life, that teenage slash young adult life that I was just hating. And I went to business school and was like, all right, I'm going to try to get a job, you know, did like interviews at Johnson and Johnson and shit. I'm like, I don't want to do this shit like this is fucking this is making me want to die. So you know, YouTube, obviously the next best option. Yeah. I was like, man, if I can make this happen for myself, can I do this for my friends? And that's been a goal since day one. And I'm already like achieving that. So hopefully it'll just continue to go up. How do you feel about your friends working for you? Honestly, I love it. I think that, um, you know, a lot of people criticize that. A lot of people that before it happened were like, oh man, that's so risky. And like, we all live together too. Oh, okay. And a lot of people, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, that's so risky. What if you have this? What if this? What if this? I think most people just don't have really good friends. That's really what it comes down to. We've talked about it. Like I have really good, strong friendships, people that I trust, people that I love. And, and like, they just, it's all about just having open communication. That's really it. You talk about them, you tell them everything that's going on and how you're going to handle it and all that shit. And you will create a culture of, you know, a working culture that can be healthy. I mean, my business partners are like my best friends who I've known for 10 years. We've talked, you know, 50 times a day for 10 years straight. You know, I can't really imagine it another way because we know each other on a personal level so well. We trust each other. And, you know, I I guess to some extent it can be sort of weird you know, there's times when you got to make a tough business call that, you know, someone might not like, but is it easier to tell your friend tough news or someone that you barely know? Sounds like the same to me, to be honest. Yeah, it's just two different versions of delivering shitty news, but... Yeah, I guess I haven't had to make like a really tough 
business call yet or decision, but most people are afraid of the money part of it. That's really, mm -hmm. I think, I mean, if we're being just straight up transparent, it's like, you know, somebody's greedy out there. Who is it? And a lot of the times it's the owner and I just am not that. So I think that is what is really my, my strong suit is I, I want them to thrive and I want to invest in them financially as well as in the workplace. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use HyperFollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Did you say you went to school for business? Yes. I, I have a degree in, uh, in management also. I think that's a topic that people in the creative space, especially YouTube, really never think about. And you look at people like Mr. Beast or Linus or Sarah Dietschy, all of them take team building and leadership very seriously as a skill. Uh, and it sounds like you do too. Yeah, I think that probably my my friends slash employees would probably look at me as like a leader 
And I don't know that I've always been that way in life. Maybe I have, but I was always trying different like entrepreneurial endeavors or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I think that like it's important to the the most important thing is just talking everything out and just being fully transparent, just letting them know like what's on my mind. And it comes down to like the more you do that, the more people are going to trust you and they're going to believe in you. And if you keep proving yourself right, it's just like they have no choice but to like to trust it, you know, because you've proved yourself so many times. And if they don't, then you probably got the wrong person on your team. Yeah. Straight up though. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what it comes down to. You know, that what what is the uh Amazon leadership principle? Um, fuck, why how do I not remember it? But basically build trust, I think it is. But yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. You know, if people trust you uh in your personal life and your professional life, then you're in good shape. And if they don't trust you, then you probably need to either take a look in the mirror or evaluate who you're working with. Absolutely. The ability to scale yourself beyond what you can physically shoot and edit and stuff, it's fucking hard, but it's also the key to growth. Yeah, I've been trying to, well, that, that's that's another thing that's a little bit of a downside of like branding myself, branding Patrick CC is like, I am now the backbone of everything and everything relies on me, my face, what I'm doing. So if I'm, if I'm not ready or if I'm not able to work or whatever, like this whole shit is going, is not moving. This whole ship isn't moving. Like, so that's another thing I'm trying to work on. How can I build things that can grow outside of, you know, being solely dependent on Patrick CC? Do you edit everything or do you have, does your team do that? They do like 90, 95% of the edit and I'll just do like the finishing touches now. So you like write and shoot it and then hand it off to them and they take it from there? Yeah. And I, I mean, my one employee, John, uh, he, did have some editing experience, but Kev had zero. So I hired my friend with no experience and taught him everything. I think if you have the right person, they can learn yeah. essentially anything, mm -hmm. especially like editing. It's not rocket science, not for YouTube. So let's, uh, let's talk about the album. When did you kind of first get the idea for that? And when did you decide on taking the executive? Well, can you explain the executive producer kind of direction that you took and why you took it? So the idea for the album, I think I've always kind of romanticized about it in my head, like pretty much ever since I started getting into like the underrated artist market. But honestly, it was in June of 2020. And literally, I was bored on a Friday. I wasn't happy with the videos that we were really working on. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna just tweet this thing. And I was like, hey, I want to put together an album DJ Khaled style. These are all of the artists that I would be interested in having on there. You know, what do you guys think? And just immediately they started DMing me, yo, like, yeah, tell me more about it. Like, I'd be down, like, send me something. So then I posted my email for producers to send me beats. And I just started getting like beats that I thought were like really, really good. And I was just like, okay, for the rest of the day, I was kind of thinking, oh, okay, this artist would sound good on this. Like, I really like this beat. Started flirting around with it. And then like, a week later, I got the hook for Black Hole Sun, which is track number one. Um, and it's the best performing song on the on the whole record. And uh, I was like, I literally have to finish this project because I need to put this song out because it's so good and I believe in it. And then like as the months went on, like I just kept building up like this archive of good songs. But Black Hole Sun was always like the one where I'm like, I just see this being a big track. So why take that direction rather than, 
you know, making all the music yourself? I used to produce many years ago. I used to make electronic music and I kind of fell out of love with it in a way. That's usually the quickest way I explain it because deciding to quit music is a pretty tough decision and it takes a long time and like to really go through on the, all the nuances is like not maybe for another day. Sure. I mean, you're clearly still passionate about music, just maybe not necessarily sitting behind the keyboard producing it. I think it's just understanding my strengths, really. Like so many people want to do music, right? But they might be a better A&R. They might be a better engineer. They might be a better manager, you know? And a lot of people want that, whether it's the fame or they just genuinely like making music and being the creative behind it. Like they need to understand their strengths and it might not be the thing that they're pursuing. So like, I think that the reason why I am successful is because I've over time figured out where my strengths lie that's where the success comes in. And I just know that I'm, that I would be a better executive producer than I would be at any other piece of the music making process. Your strength is kind of zooming out and having that big picture view of how this thing is going to come together and how we're going to take it to market and all that, rather than, you know, what snare sample should be used on track number eight. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's funny. You know, a lot of people be like <laughs> a lot of the trolls. And I mean, at the same time, it's, it's a good, uh, a good argument but they'll be like so what did you even do <laughs> and it's like yeah i mean I, I understand that argument what did i even do and when you explain the whole big picture thing like just the way you did even brief a lot of people still like so <laughs> well i guess i didn't do anything and you shouldn't listen to it fuck off how is that valuable you know and it's like okay well i don't need to explain why i'm valuable yeah you know just if you like the song you like the song if not, you know, then so be it. But uh, as long as the people that I'm working with understand my value, then that's really all that matters. Yeah. I mean, you have 100,000 monthly Spotify listeners last I checked. Yeah, just hit that like yesterday. That's legit. Yeah. And that's like no editorials, no Spotify love. I mean, I think like now 5% of it is coming from algorithmic, Spotify algorithmic. So that's just all. Wow. All the the Patrick CC, the water pack, the community, the, the people just genuinely liking the music and sharing it. I think that says a lot. And also that you seem to be putting just as much effort into promoting it and marketing it as you did making it, which is where a lot of people, I think, fall off. They think they're going to do a, you know, a whatever, two-week campaign, and then it's like, all right, well, you know, we're done. I think people... And I, I feel this as well. First of all, coming up with new and creative ways to push a song or an album is definitely really hard. But ultimately, like, I think people are afraid of like exhausting it. You know, they're just afraid of being that person where people are like, all right, like we get it, your fucking song, you know, because you're not reaching new people. Whereas my promotion strategies, I'm definitely beating a dead horse with the people who already know about the album, but I'm reaching more and more new people every time and there's still people that are just finding out about it and like that's the i think that's the thing that's got to keep you going is like still trying to find those new people and like if you can do it in a creative way then the people that are already knowing about it and already liking it won't mind the sort of uh promotion that you're doing and, you know, you have to tell people way more times than you think. I mean, I'm speaking to the listener more so than you because you know this, but people are not going to hear you the first time. Like I, I, I had done my podcast for maybe three or four months and talked about it on videos that collectively got millions of views. And 
I would still hear from people, oh, you have a podcast? <laughs> you know? Oh, and, yeah. and I'm not, I mean, I'm not mad at them. Like, I'm not the center of their world. I don't expect them to follow everything that I do. Of course not. You just, you have to, like, relentlessly talk about this stuff or people are not going to know about it. And you can't be afraid to promote your shit. Like, if you believe in it, you can't be afraid to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. There's new people all the time that are like, still finding out about the album and i'm like damn i expected you to be like a first week person <laughs> but <laughs> right it just yeah i mean people got fucking lives they got shit to do they're not really focused on you but that doesn't mean that they don't want to hear what you have to offer they just you know everybody's got their own shit yep yep yeah you just uh you, you can't uh you can't be too shy to talk about yourself and you know i think a lot of artists are kind of shy to talk about what they're doing do you think it is easier to talk about it you know, given that you didn't actually make the music, yes. you know what I mean? I think like I it's have easier an for me to say you're great than to say that I'm great. Oh, wait, are you talking about because I didn't, because I'm not performing on the records? Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah, I think I definitely have an advantage for sure. And that's not really something I've talked about, but the artists that watch my stuff, like the the way that I'm promoting my my record is not, you can't just copy it. I mean, you can't copy and paste anybody's promotion, but especially not mine because I'm in a very unique position, like being an executive producer. However, I try to implement little things in the video so that it's like, okay, now I'm trying to take my, my me out of it and try to be a little bit more objective um, and be a little bit more relatable, I guess, to what the average artist could do. But yes, I do think I have an advantage because the idea of the project in itself is unique and it's not something that happens all the time. But at the same time, like it's my life and I have to play to play to my advantages. Right. I mean, that's what it is. A lot of people are like, well, of course, your album is successful. You have a successful YouTube channel. And I'm like, OK, so what am I supposed to do? Not use it like. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, people always want to, you know, there's the what I call the must be nice crowd. Yeah. You know, oh, well, it must be nice to have a YouTube channel, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it is nice because I fucking spent three years <laughs> building it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, real. It wasn't nice. just given to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, I, I also can empathize with those people. It is, sure. it, you know, I get where they're coming from. But the right reaction when you see that is instead of being mad that Patrick has a YouTube channel, you go, all right, well, what can I learn from him to build my own platform just like he has? Yeah. How can I take bits and pieces of, of information? And that's really what these videos I think are for. And Sometimes I don't, I'm hard on myself and I'm like, man, I could have did a better job or I could have been more objective. And I still get people that are reaching out like this helped me so much and blah, blah, blah. And who knows if they're lying or, or if they're just being nice. I, I, I don't know, but I guess ultimately like that's the thing that makes me happy is just people just genuinely enjoying or finding something of value that I'm putting out to the world. I think those marketing videos are great. And I have done marketing for a living for 20 years. And I think those, especially music, like the vast majority of music marketing stuff is trash, in my opinion. Or it's just a little dry, like it's a little boring, even if it's good information. I'm okay with boring. My personal objection is when it's bad information, but you're right about that too. Uh, but I think you've found a way to do both uh, and you really get into the specifics, which is what's missing from a lot of the stuff, I think. I did want to ask you about the, the TikTok campaign though. I wonder if... The reason why you got un underwhelming results on that was I, I don't think that the song was the right one. Like, I think Fall Damage is a cool song, but I don't think it has a visual hook that would lend itself to TikTok, if that makes sense. 
I think so. That's that's pretty much like the big argument that you know everyone or a lot of people in the comments are saying like, oh, it didn't work because it's not the right song. But I just heavily disagree with that because well, that's just so subjective. And there's yeah. so many different kinds of songs that go viral on TikTok. There's you know sound like soundtracks or or, or like a, a a little melody that was ripped from like a tv show in 1990 sure. you know so <laughs> like there's literally so many different types of things that go viral obviously the argument like it's not the right song is is it's a justifiable argument i just disagree because it's like you know i don't think that fucking what's popping should be viral on tiktok because i don't think it's the right song and it's like like you could look at the viral i do this all the time actually like the viral 50 chart on spotify and like three quarters of the songs on there i'm like why did this go viral like exactly. this is the most like under uninteresting song you could pick exactly so that's why uh i i understand that argument but i just disagree because of like just this the sheer different kinds of songs that go viral on tiktok it's like it's it's on it's good i think because you never really know what's going to hit on there yeah it's very unpredictable you're more of a tiktok expert than i am but it seems to me like there's no real rhyme or reason to what takes off and what doesn't yeah there are some trends but ultimately you're right there's uh it's it's tough to call it's tough to predict but it's tough to manufacture i should say but I, I still think I'm making headway. Like I did do a better job in that video, even though it was kind of a failure. I don't know if I'm going to revisit it or not. We'll see what happens. I would call that a base hit. Like it wasn't a failure because you did have a couple that got decent views. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's not all or nothing. It's not a grand slam, which is, of course, what we're always looking for. But I would call that a base hit. Yeah, it was an at bat, you know, yeah. it was a foul ball. I'll, I'll give it that. But like, <laughs> all right. It was better than the first time that I tried. The first time was total L. I think a lot of people, what they're saying is the the best piece of advice that I think I got from the comments was like, man, I think that the whole dance thing on TikTok is actually becoming less of the focus and it's more about comedy and being able to use a song to enforce a joke. And that's where I totally that's agree. That's how I think of it. I totally agree with the comments there. And I think that should anybody be listening to this, me say this right now, maybe go down the route of of trying to figure out a way that you can make a trend with your song that enforces a joke or is is funny somehow because that seems to be the hot thing on TikTok right now but that is even harder to manufacture because now you're banking you're banking on people being funny which is so fucking hard <laughs> yeah and the right people finding it and yeah it's 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 tough yeah last kind of question i have which i'm sure you get all the time but it's i think an important one uh, for somebody who is in your shoes circa early 2018 that has 300 subscribers, they've got a little bit of traction, but they're like, man, how do I get this to like the place where it actually, you know, is moving the needle? What would you suggest for that person? I know that's a super broad question, but what, what would your advice be? For YouTube, I would say, you know, try to be consistent in the beginning. Like, I think my consistency really helped. I was posting like every week without missing and then eventually i was posting twice a week and i think i did that for like a year and a half without ever missing a week and as you get bigger you can kind of you could be a little bit more free with your uploads but be consistent focus so hard on title and thumbnail title and thumbnail are 90 percent more important than the video itself as sad as that is yep. but it's true because if nobody's clicking then nobody's going to see your masterpiece of a video 
I would include topic in the title. Like in other words, you could come up with the most clicky title ever, but if it's about some rapper nobody's ever heard of, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. It still has to be relevant to the content, but like really just what I did is I just studied viral videos and what their titles and thumbnails looked like and mm -hmm. just constantly look on the trending page. Think about why people would click on it. Literally scroll through your YouTube, find the ones that catch your eye and think about why they catch your eye and try to see how you can implement it in that. Every one of my title and thumbnails for the most part is somehow inspired by something else that exists out there. How long do you spend on that on title and thumbnail? I will try to think about the title and the thumbnail before I ever even make a video. Yeah, same. So like, <laughs> I don't even know what you want to call that, but that much time. I might want to make a video about a certain artist or something like that. And if I can't think of a good title for it, I don't make the video. I don't even start writing anything until I have that shower moment of like, ah, there's the title. 100% agree, um, which is unfortunate to that artist, but you have to understand it's the game, baby. <laughs> yep. The other thing that I would recommend is just really, really trying to find a niche. I don't know how much advice there is out there that says this, but like you will not stand out talking about the thing that everybody else is talking about right away. You might have some success like where you kind of you sort of get this this jump in views because, you know, the algorithm blessed you because you were talking about the Lil Nas X situation. But then your next views are going down significantly. But my thing that brought me success was because I was covering something that basically nobody else was covering. And there was a demand. There was a small demand for people that wanted this like underground emo rap content and i was that was like all of my content in the beginning and i cultivated an audience that liked that stuff and then slowly drifted away from there so find a niche only talk about the stuff that's in that niche if you can and then just sprinkle in stuff as you go on about you know new topics I think that is fantastic advice, and uh, I'm sure you got a lot of other stuff to do today, so I will let you go. But thank you so much for joining. Really excited for this one, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day over there in Oklahoma City. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. And drink, drink water, everybody. All right, my friends. That does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. 
Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.